Welcome to The Wind Down, an afternoon podcast where two techie blokes sit down over a bowl of wine and chat about what's happening in the world of tech. Enjoy while Scott and Nick open up about their week in technology. Well, ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon and welcome to The Wind Down. My name's Nick and with me I have... Scott. Hello, Scott. How are you? Ah, lovely. How are you, Nick? I'm very well indeed. Well, well, you're in a dungeon. It's a beautiful day today, as you can see, with my fake background. of Just um, looking at that, it looks like a nice place to be. All brought to you with the enablement of digital technology. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, um, where are you? What are you drinking? (laughs) Today, back in this nice little portable recording studio at home. But I've got a um, a St. Hugo's, actually an empty St. Hugo's now, (laughs) 2017 Shiraz. Um, It's it's actually, it's it's the current current release and uh, it drinks very well, I will say, very smooth. Excellent. Excellent. Yes. So what are we going to talk to talk about today? Digital transformation, I believe. Digital transformation. And um, while it sounds like a wonderful term, let's let's sort of cover a little bit about what it means and more importantly, what why it is important. Why should why should I be concerned about this? What's in it for me? So it's not a new term, right? Digital transformation's no. been banded around the industry for the last four or five years as the, the next big thing after cloud. So so what does it mean? Can you describe it in terms of let's pick two different companies and and one's transformed, one hasn't? What's the difference? Yeah, look, let's do a, have a look at, I guess, a, a, a tale of two businesses uh, to sort of put it in that respect. Let, let's say you've got your, your first business here and they're, they're running okay. They're making some money. They're making sales. This is going all right. Yeah, but where's where's all their data? They've got some stuff in spreadsheets. They've got some stuff in this app. They've got some stuff in that app. Their CRM's a bit over there, but it doesn't link in with some of their operational things. Their customer service is over here. And yeah, the, each individually, these pillars tend to run relatively well, just at, at a high-level glance. They're, they're achieving a result. The result is bringing in money into the business. The customers seem relatively happy. They're making some money. And this is, hey, look, this is great. Okay, I'm, I'm happy. This is all good. I've got this worked out. Yep. But let me put you now in the position of where the second business is. The, the second business is also out there selling their goods, providing their services, whatever it is they're doing. But all their data is more or less in one place and interconnected. So right from their marketing front edge of how they're reaching out to clients through to the sales engagement, through to an onboarding level, through to an actual operational um, level, through to the actual um, support task um, and even billing afterwards, it's all interconnected. Everybody's got access to all the data through easy-to-use systems that are generally cloud-based and all the data is just there to be able to poke and prod and run reports on, but you can very easily grab whatever you need out of that. Uh, And more importantly, when you want to actually go and change the way the business works, all the data is there across all the disciplines in one place for you to be able to do something with. So, Which so one do you is, think is going to be able to scale? This, this is the, it's fascinating, isn't it? And I remember, you know, early on in my IT career, um, senior managers, and I used to work in banking and finance and IT, and senior managers would turn around and they go, "Well, you know, we should be able to do this process on paper." Um, so if the computers <laughs> break, it's it, it is what it is. 
Um, but there's a, you know, Satya Nadella, he's the CEO of Microsoft. He talked about there's a case for this, right? What was, what was he That's saying? Right. Do you have a quote? This, this is fairly recent, actually. I'll, look, I'll, re- I'll read this out. He said, the, the case for digital transformation has never been more urgent. The next decade of economic performance for every business will be defined by the speed of their digital transformation. Now, yes, okay, that's a uh, Satya Nadella runs Microsoft, and that's a very sort of you know, we're in that Microsoft being in that business of technology and and data that that sort of relates very much to what they do. But having said that, it's a valid message for the majority of businesses out there. You can't stay doing things the way you did 10, 20, 30 years ago and expect to be successful. And in business, you're either growing or you're shrinking. There's no, yeah, no good, sort of, yes. There's no, there's no kind of, we'll just plateau and sit here for a while because someone will come and eat your lunch, right? That, that, that's right. And that, and that lunch uh, happens very quick these days. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, so, no, um, I, I understand. So it's really interesting. I, I spoke years ago to um, some senior execs at Unilever. And they had a really interesting outcome on the world. They said the difference between Unilever, and if you don't know, it's a massive global, you know, multifaceted conglomerate that does all sorts of things. And he said, in any competing smaller business is that we use data better than they do. And this was like mm-hmm. in 2005, um, the ability to use data to make decisions. And I remember even when I worked at Microsoft um, back in 2000, Every decision everybody made had to be justified with data. You couldn't just go make a decision because I'm experienced and my gut tells me this is the way to go. It all was proved by data. And I think that's a, that's a sign of these really successful organizations. But that used to be only the, only the, the, the purview of the really big org. But now all the tools are there for smaller orgs to do it, and now smaller orgs are competing at that level as well. Is that would that be describing it? That, that, look, that that is it. The um, what we call the um, born in the cloud style businesses, the the, the modern, fairly, fairly young businesses that don't know any other way. That <laughs> they've actually got a good advantage because they're not tied up in well, we've got all this legacy, we've got to sort of bring with us. Um, but also, uh, when they're looking at doing things, they haven't got that. I've, we've got these old tools that have got the data, we've got this, we've got that. They, they haven't got the baggage, uh, which gives them the e, the ability to very easily get to a certain point. They'll have other issues when trying to scale, um, but it's 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 the whole thing. They, you know, they, they're able to more readily access data, and that's yep. it's a key factor in the ability to to get there in the end. So, so a question for you is what what do you look at when you're looking at digital transformation? That's about data. Yeah. And, and look, there's no, there's no answer. You can't get, yes, I'm hundred percent here. Now I'm happy. Good. All is done. No, it, it's a journey and it's a journey where the goalposts at the end keep moving as well. Okay. So you're telling me you don't, you, 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 the IT industry doesn't have a silver bullet for digital transformation. No, no, but it's got lots of bodies out there that'll do professional services to help. Uh, it's, it's, uh, but um, but look, you, you, yeah, that, and that's that's the one of the tricks to keep in mind. You, your goalposts are always in front of you somewhere. Um, yep. The speed at which you will dominate the market is how close to the goalposts you can get before they keep moving further out. Um, let's let's look at a few a few key things around that. Where is your data? So first of all, identify where all the data is that runs your business, that operates in the business, everything from the the first bit of information about a product right through to the last invoice or last bit of customer record or whatever it is. 
and you start recording all of that. And, oh, look, some of it's over here in this old system we've got. Yeah, okay, well, there's a system with some data in it. Some of it's in the cloud. Okay, that's good. Uh, some of it's in these spreadsheets, which we keep updating. Um, some of it we worked out that as we keep updating the spreadsheet, we forgot to save the spreadsheet, so we haven't got the older versions of the data. Okay, well, that's that's good. We keep just overriding them with whatever, whatever the new version is, but have no history, therefore, to do analysis from. Um, there's also things like, um, oh, we use this tool that's available on this computer locally. So what oh, yes. happens when, when people want to get access to that data and say, oh, they can remotely connect in and use it. So, oh, okay, um, just out of interest, do we back up that computer? Oh, I'm sure it gets backed up, yes, yes. <laughs> anyway. Uh, but this is it. You've got data on what could be a, a local PC that's using consumer-grade technology for the hard drive and everything like that. And I'm sure it's quite, quite sturdy, but it's very different to having it stored on proper servers with redundant disks or in the cloud where it's stored in multiple locations and so forth and backed up so many times. So this, the problem is when you've got your data in that many locations, how would I sit down and say, I need a report that shows me if this, 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 and this happens, and every one of those thises relates to a bit of data somewhere in one of those silos. Could yep. you do it? And so, sure, you could. Someone would run around, get the bit of data, come back, and what? And it'll take a long time to do, and it wouldn't be efficient. But it should be all in one place. Sure. So the market markets move, right? So yeah. being able to, if you're having, you know, your monthly data's in by the 30th of the month, because that's when the data's in, um, and you're not doing a, a meeting about it for three weeks, four weeks, five weeks afterwards, because you've got to wait for people to run around and put spreadsheets together mm -hmm. and make human mistakes as they're doing that, it's very hard to react, because you're reacting to things which happened now four, three, four, five weeks ago, trying to change things that will happen in three, four, five weeks' time. That's a massive lag. And it, it, it is, and we used to have this issue back in the, I'll say the 90s, uh, with when we were running one of the companies then, and um, yeah, it'd be like three weeks in, everyone's got their data, and we're starting to talk about something, and when you get down into some of the details, everybody realises, oh, we're doing this wrong. Every time we do this, we actually lose money because of the way we're doing it. We need to change this process to be this. Hmm. If only we'd known about that at the start of the month, not three quarters of the way through the month, because then we could have done something about it this month, but... Now we've probably gone through another month of losing money on this particular process. Um, it's yeah, you, you'd need to be able to react. Um, look, many um, many years ago, I um, I was listening to um, I was actually in an MBA class at, at, at the time, and uh, some people were late turning up, and they actually worked for one of the smaller uh, mobile telcos in the country, mm -hmm. and we were sort of oh, what wonder where they are. Um, that previous night one of the large telcos in the country had released this new offering of mobile phone plans and et cetera, et cetera. And they said, oh, hang on, uh, we need to be competitive with this. Um, 8.30 tomorrow morning, everybody quick, come to this location. 40 minutes later, they'd worked out their new plans and they're off to market. So those, a number of those people happened to be in this class I was in and they turned up about half an hour late as a result. But they had been, because all their data was, pretty much all in one place. They knew what they were doing. They were on top of their game. They could change a market offering around with half an hour's notice. And then they were up there being competitive against what the larger player in their space had done. It was, it was actually quite interesting. It was a very eye-opening experience. 
that's kind of where you should be able to be, right? You should be able mm. to change in a heartbeat what's, what's going on to address a market need. And, and know that you can still be profitable and know that your operations can keep up. Know that your sales team understands what you're doing and what the new messaging is or what the new structure is on how they have to do things. Um, how marketing can look at that and go, oh, we'll tweak our message a little bit if that's what we're going to do. And so, yeah, it it should all magically come together. Now, of course, there is no magic answer for all of this stuff. You, yeah, you've got to put in the effort and put in the work and get you know, and get um, progress in all of the different silos. But once you start pulling them together, you really see the progress. Cool. So it's really about what you're saying. And let me paraphrase this and simplify all of that down to access to all of your data in one place anytime you want it. Yes, it, it, although I would say it doesn't have to be in one place. It needs to be accessible. So if you if, if I take one place literally that says I'm only ever going to use one application because no, it, not, the data not, is tied up in that yeah. application. Yeah, I yeah. can pull it so, all into one that's right. reporting tool. Or one but my thing. data, yeah, my data may be in three, four, five different applications, but those applications have the ability to talk to each other. Or I have the ability to access the data in each of those applications through some API, through some reporting mechanism, whatever it is, but I've got ready access to it. Um, ideally, that means I'm using modern applications in the cloud that allow external connectivity into other things. Cool. Get it. So we didn't used to, you know, development tools didn't let us used to be able to do this, right? If I was using right. Visual, Visual Fox Pro... Um, oh, yes, which came, which came in a cardboard box, by the way, yes. I know it came in a cardboard box with a shrink wrap. I've got one. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, by using Visual Fox Pro, I'm building islands of data. That's this kind of the scenario. And there's, That's right. There's You're addressing the problem at hand, yes. Yeah, there's still a bit of that going on. So development tools, um, where should people be? Well, here's the thing. So let's, let's look at this. Um, what came out? This week or last week or whatever it was, end of Tuesday, last week. Tuesday, 5.40 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time, .NET 6. .NET 6. And and this is the – I was surprised by this. Is you, you told me at the time, okay, this morning .NET 6 came out. .NET 5 is now end of life. Yes. And I go, oh, gee, that, that was a bunch of notice, was it? <laughs> but in the development space, it's different. I'm used to these end of lives being, okay, we've announced the new version. You've got like five years to get there and we'll provide an extra five years of support on the old one and so forth. But uh, you developers really get stuck in there. You've got one minute, it's here, and next minute, it's gone. <laughs> yeah, so so the Microsoft started this kind of cadence with um, um, .NET Core, they called it. So, so the whole .NET thing was started off with .NET Framework in 2000 which is when C Sharp appeared. And that was um, that was a platform that only ran on Windows. Mm. Uh, lots of apps were written in it. It had lots of benefits, but it only ran on Windows. And then a third-party group created something called Mono, the Mono framework, which was .NET, which was a bit cross-platform, primarily aimed at mobile devices and other things. And then Microsoft released .NET Core. So now we've got three frameworks. We've got Mono, .NET Core, and .NET Framework. And um, Microsoft always planned... Um, to bring this together. So we started with um, .NET 2, .NET 2.1, which was, so .NET 2.0 was um, uh, really .NET Core. It was around for a year. It was replaced with .NET 2.1. And then .NET 2.1 was got rid of and went to .NET 3, and that's where something called Blazor first appeared. Um, and .NET 3 was a LTS, long-term support instance. That gives about three years of support. Um, .NET 5 was after that. There was no .NET 4 because .NET Framework was version 4. 
.NET 5 mm -hmm. pulled this all together. You now write code in .NET 5, not .NET Framework or .NET Core or Mono. You write in .NET 5, and .NET 5 is bringing all of those things together into one thing that now doesn't run on Windows just, it runs everywhere. And it's open source and all sorts of wonderful things like that. Um, that was not long-term support. That was supported for a year. And a year later, .NET 6 was released, and that's now supported for three years. Okay. And now if we were writing an application for someone in .NET 6 versus yes. looking at an old app that was in .NET core from many years ago or in the original sort of release, you would see that those older applications just don't have the capability of doing what the frameworks today do. And Correct. they're sort of holding you back. And they're slower, right? The mm. frameworks today are orders of magnitude faster. They're easier to maintain. They're easier to support. And, and Microsoft really was trying to get everybody in a cadence. And this is the real difference between .NET Core the new versions of .NET and the old versions of .NET. The old versions of .NET were just backwardsly compatible forever, um, which created this enormously rubbishly bloated code base. Whereas the other ones, they said, well, we're not backwardsly compatible forever. There were breaking changes. You know, the I think this is because the web development world, using other technologies like React or Angular or Node.js or some of these things, they live with really, really regular cadences of updates. That's what mm -hmm. development is now. Um, mm. So your platform updating once a year is not really a hardship. But, but um, it means developers have to keep up. Yes, and I will say, though, that those development cycles of being able to put in multiple releases of an application, pushing it out to the cloud every day, you could have three, four, five, or lots more versions of your application being published in a day, yep. is very different to the old way of, hey, here's a version, it's going to go out there, and maybe in six months we'll put a little update out and that sort of thing. and yep. so. But that's because that whole digital transformation piece has gone through the development world such that they can be very efficient, they can get changes done quickly, they can respond quickly to requirements. And this is the whole thing. Think about your business. Is your business one of the uh, ones using the really old tools that are going to say, oh, we need to change this. Okay, it's probably going to take us six months to get there. Or is it a, okay, hang on a sec, in the next hour I'll have that problem sorted, I can move on to the next issue of the day. Yeah, that's, well, if that's you, if the you, thing. If you think about it, I was doing a demo this morning um, mm. on a product with a customer. It's one of our shipping products. Um, and we found a bug while doing the demo, which you, you find because we were stretching an area of it we hadn't played a lot with. Um, and we found a bug. And within 45 minutes after the demo, not only had we found the fix, developed the fix, tested the fix, but we'd released it and it had gone all the way up and was in production. See, that's pretty scary in a way. I'm used to 45 minutes afterwards, you're thinking about opening a support ticket to document the concept of a bug existing. <laughs> yes, yes, we're a bit quicker than that. Well, the neat yes. thing is because we've got rich automated testing wrapped around yes. everything. Right? And that's, and that's great. To, and, and we kind of, it was a typo, by the way. I'd spelt successful wrong in two places, right? It was really easy to see. Um, tested it locally, worked out what the bug was, ran it through our barrage of unit tests in the cloud, that successfully passed it. We were confident we could release it into production because it might not fix the problem, but it wasn't going to create any more. That's fair. That's a, so interesting word to spell incorrectly, by the way. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. I, um, anyway, moving I, on. I'll just I'll just jump in quickly and say I used to work with a, a team and the um the many years ago and the the person driving that was trying to just rah 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 the team and we came in one morning and he had this big poster along the top of the wall it said dream believe create suck eat 
unfortunately he'd misspelt succeed. So, um, yeah. but yeah, the, the thought was there. <laughs> to be fair, funny. if everybody looked at the poster and understood the message then, maybe not as much as if it had been spelt correctly, but anyway. That's very um, cool though. Uh, but along with, we've just sort of went about development tools there in the old version. So we're, we still have clients and we're working actively with them to do things like migrate off Windows 2012 and in some cases earlier versions. Um, and you know, some of the clients will say, well, hang on, this thing works, it's sitting here, what's what's wrong with server 2012? Aside from the fact that it goes end of support in January 2023, so it's about uh, 13 months, 14 months left. Um I said, yeah, aside from the fact that it won't have any more security updates and various things coming, I want you to think about, on one hand, we're doing these wonderful projects around digital transformation in certain parts of the business to really improve processes, scale, drive efficiencies, and that sort of stuff is giving you a competitive advantage. How much competitive advantage do you think a nine-year-old operating system is giving you? And, and this is where it is. Yes, you're right. The thing works, but it is very old and cannot take advantage of a lot of the real new features and functions that are around today that let you get out there and say, hey, this is great for my business. Look at this. I can just go click, click, click. This is all done. Oh, it's, so. it's, re it's really funny because traditionally IT guys hate these conversations, right? So, oh. so the IT industry has traditionally been actually for an industry that changes so much. Boy, we're change averse, aren't we? I mean, dear, oh dear. The, the number of times I've heard, no, don't roll out the patch or the update. Wait a few months to see if anything's gone wrong. Or, yes. or don't. And the number of environments we go into with even existing IT teams that are doing things that, that we weren't doing, haven't done for the last 15 years because it works and why change it and why move forward? I know. I got into, I don't know about you, but I got into information technology because it's a fascinating industry full of change and, and things getting different and improving and, and being able to solve business problems in really new ways. And yeah, every month there's something new that helps us solve a business problem or bring data together or do funky stuff. And some of the stuff we're doing at the moment with business processes is really cool. We couldn't have done it five years ago. No. That's just it. And you, you know what? This is this is one of the reasons Microsoft went to Office 365 in the cloud. Um, they were going fine with their you know, box product. You didn't physically get the, the box of Office, um, of Office put on your machine. It sits there and it's, it's running. But after a while, Google came along and you started to have G Suite with you know, the Google Docs, Google Sheets and so forth. Um, and clients were doing uh, comparisons. And they're saying, well, Google's going to cost me, yeah, like you know, $30 a month or $10 a month, whatever it's going to be. Um, why would I want to move to that? Oh, for $10 a month, I can get all these new features. Whereas my current version of Office that happens to be five, six, something, seven years old, can't do this. And Microsoft is losing out on that comparison saying, well, this is why we moved. We migrated across to Google because it gave us all these new features. And Microsoft right. would say, but we have all those features. That's right. But the client hadn't upgraded. <laughs> you just hadn't upgraded. You just hadn't actually bought a new license or applied any updates or whatever. You were still doing it. And look, I, I happened, I had the chance of using um, Excel 2002 this week. Oh, dear. Um, oh, I'm so I, sorry. I was, I was actually quite impressed, you know. It was in color and everything. Um, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> had fonts, color, and um, and it, it worked. It did work quite well. But, I mean, I'm looking for, oh, where's the... Oh, actually, that analysis stuff isn't in that version. Where's the? Oh, actually, no, neither is that. Where's the? You know what? I'm just going to copy this spreadsheet off and put it into the current <laughs> release. But that was one of the issues that you, you know, five plus years of development 
were really obvious in how people used the tools and became more productive with them. So, yep. and this is the whole thing. If you're in a race and everyone else has got a car, you've got a horse and cart. Well, I'm not sure you're really going to win unless there's some strange. Yeah, no, thing I, 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 I agree. And it, it, it's interesting that, yeah, you are in a race. Business is a, is a race. You're beating your competitors. You're, you're selling something that's better than something than somebody else is selling. That's how you're, you're competitive. So you're in a race and you, you know, you can't use old tech to try and get this. It's not going to work. Yeah. You're not going to, you're going to win the race with the old tech. That's, yeah. that's for sure. That's you may get sure. there, but by the time you get there, whatever you've done is now obsolete. So what about you know, organizational change management? And, and this is, uh, let me tell you mm. my view and you can tell me what you think about huh. it. My view kind of is that um, bringing younger people into your business, if you think of 50% of the workforce is millennials now, and I remember mm. millennials coming in, probably a bunch of our audience is, um, sorry if I'm offending the millennials, and we've got the next generation coming through as well. They're, they live in this cloud world where their applications up, update and upgrade on a regular basis. They've had mm. devices where they've been installing and managing their own application portfolios for years. They cope with change if it's going to improve what they're doing. Right? Yes. They're comfortable with a user interface changing, with a button moving, with something being added without, without notice. Whereas I think... Yeah, our generation, the generation before, was very scared of a user interface changing because it might create support tickets or blah, blah, blah. Um, that kind of change, I think we're less scared now of the organizational mm. change management. But you have to continually keep up to date to foster that in your business, right? You, you do. You do. And, you know, it's continual learning. You can't just be staying with that, that mindset of I've done it this way for 30 years. Um, you know what you know there's nothing wrong with it um it's the whole thing unless you stay up to date you're not going to win um as someone uh, mentioned to me the other day what was the the question it was um how, how did you stream tv shows before the internet <laughs> Aerials, uh, okay um, <laughs> and you couldn't choose them that's right. Someone else chose it for you and used yep. a different delivery technology and you had to hope that what they were sending was what you wanted to see. And they yep. said, really? Really? That sounds terrible. <laughs> I said, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> it, was, it, was. it was quite funny. Yes, that's right. And then you try to talk about, you know, that aerial on the roof. And they said, well, doesn't seem to do anything. Well, may not anymore, but <laughs> yes. It certainly did. It certainly did for many years. It but used gone. to. Gone are the days where you could put a TV advert on prime time and everyone would see it. True. Now you're lucky if anyone sees it. Yeah, yeah, because it used to be, you know, we'd, everyone would chat about what happened in, uh, I come from the UK, so what happened in Neighbours and Home and Away was the topic of conversation almost every day. That's all gone because we've got people off watching Netflix, some people watching YouTube, some people watching sport, people watching what they want to watch. Now that whole market has changed so suddenly, it's quite funny. Yeah, I think it's rather strange that everybody watched Neighbours every day. But anyway. Uh, when when um, Scott and Charlene got married, um, the number of kids called Jason and Kylie or Scott and Charlene round where I grew up was was just crazy, Scott. It was really quite strange. Okay, we have found something worse. Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, modernise your business. Yes. Yep. Digital okay, transformation. So 
fancy Enab words, but great results. Enablement. Enablement. It enables you to do things that you otherwise would not have been able to do, which hopefully gives you a competitive advantage. That is awesome. How to get a competitive advantage by upgrading your technology. There we are. And if you want to, give Scott a call because he knows all about that, as you can tell. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> cool. Well, that was the wind down. Thank you for coming and thank you for listening. And if you got all the way to the end, thank you very much. Please do leave a comment, leave a like. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, audible.com, um, Amazon, um, anywhere you get decent podcasts. Um, this is always released at 4.15 on a Wednesday afternoon, hopefully without fail. So all that's left for me to say is thank you so much for watching or listening to us today. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Nick. And thanks, everyone. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.